Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I'm going to have liver damage from trying to become a Miller High Life ambassador. Yeah. Um, I get, what, uh, vote for us? Is that something? No, that's nothing. How do we become Miller ambassadors? Do they just pick us? I, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Christiani posted an article in a Twitter chat that's like from like five days ago. And the way that Twitter chat moves, that's impossible. Like, that's, like, time traveling to, like, the 1700s. So that's just never going to mm-hmm. happen. But basically, I just want to, like, have a presence enough. Like, hey, look, I'm drinking Miller High Life. Do things. And therefore, get us to be Miller High Life ambassadors. I don't know. Maybe we could have Elon Musk do a joke about it on Saturday Night Live to reduce our chances of being the ambassadors by 30%. I mean, at least Elon Musk would make a joke about us, which would therefore raise our chances <laughs> of being a successful podcast by over 30%. Yeah, I guess Elon did a joke about Doge and like the the value of Dogecoin tanked like live during his hosting of Saturday Night Live, which I'm still not sure why he did that thing so i'm not sure why he did that thing but moreover i'm not sure why they invited him to do that thing publicity stunt i I mean i guess like i guess they're they're failing so badly that they brought in tech magnate and eventual bond villain elon musk (laughs) uh i can't wait until elon musk has his mandible replaced with a piece of metal and then can bite through a steel cable. I don't know. Uh, if you're Elon, fuck it. Like, you you have all the money in the world. Who cares? Just do whatever you want. And obviously he just did whatever he wanted. He showed up in a fucking Wario costume. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker put his car in space. Like, I don't know. He doesn't give a shit about anything. Literally doesn't care. Everyone making fucking jokes about Elon Musk. Uh, please, please. Yeah. I refer you to the Mad Men scene where the guy goes on like <laughs> a minute long tirade about uh, uh, John Hamm's character. And then as as the elevator comes to a stop, John Hamm goes, I don't think about you at all. And John Hamm is Elon Musk in that situation. And that guy who is complaining is everybody. He doesn't give a fuck. He'll name his kid after a fucking star in space that doesn't make any sense. He doesn't care. His girlfriend gave Dave Chappelle COVID. He's above reproach. Oh, yeah. I forgot Grimes did that. <laughs> really? I, I, I hadn't heard of Grimes until I started playing that uh, Kojima game, Death Stranding. And then she was featured in like nine tracks on that sh- in the soundtrack. And I was like... Okay, I don't know who this is, but good for you. Yeah, good for her. I don't know, I didn't know who she was until uh, I started watching Hilda on Netflix, because she did the theme song. Oh, 
Okay. Uh, let's do a quick segment. Uh, the name of the segment is What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! So, Caleb, what do you have? Well, I had to, uh, throw something together quick, because, uh, I had a, a stressful time returning from work and had to quickly try to fit a movie in and do a bunch of other things, so... Uh, I haphazardly grabbed uh, just some lemonade and uh, some bourbon. Okay. I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I don't know. I think. Uh, I don't think that brown liquors mix particularly well with something light and fruity like that. But eh, it's fine. It'll do in a pinch. This sounds like a Corey concoction where, like, he'd look around his room, uh, look around his kitchen, and then like. The the gif with all the numbers and shit, like, it would look like that, and then he'd be like, this goes with this, this goes with this, this goes with this, and then that would be his drink for the evening, and it always turned out very good. Yeah, I don't know, I was going to, uh, do another old-fashioned, but, like, that seriously takes me, like, five full minutes to make it, like, perfect, so. Right. Uh, well, as you know, uh... I'm trying to become a Miller High Life ambassador for the podcast so we can <laughs> we can have more viewers and listeners. And I don't know why I said viewers, because we're not on YouTube. But uh, I am drinking a Miller High Life. It ain't no swill, because it's the champagne of beers. Miller High Life. Find it in your local beer store. Uh, it It's good. Wink. Champagne of beers for my real friends. Real pain of beers for my sham friends. Thank you for the less than Jake reference that only I probably get. <laughs> I think uh who said that originally? Is that Tom Waits? It sounds like something Tom Waits would say. Sure. I'll take your word for it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh I brought up a million times ambassadorship, blah blah blah. Uh next up, uh so we did our hashtag reviews for good campaign. Uh, it, I didn't even wind up doing the math. I knew it was like around $20, but I go to Meals on Wheels in order to donate and the least amount you could, like you could do a custom amount, but I was like, um, I wasn't about that life. So instead, like the lowest amount you could donate was $30, which was enough for, uh, meals for one person for an entire week. So I just donated 30 of our dollars to Meals on Wheels. Because it was nice. it was just more convenient that way, honestly. Uh, so that's what we did. Uh, uh, you don't have to praise us. We're just letting you know what we did. I'm sure someone cared. Uh, next up, five stream for the cure. 365 days over two. Uh, Chain of memories. That's that's the movie. Uh, it's just 365 days. Uh, our segment goes live Friday, May 21st at 3 p.m. The event goes live at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I should say these are all Eastern time. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern on May 19th. So be there for... I think Nick is now making it 60 hours of live stream content. Uh, and, and I made the joke on an upcoming guest spot I that will be coming out around the time of live stream that uh, Nick is going to try to make live stream month and I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and then finally we have uh stacking triggers our magic the gathering podcast uh this week we talk about modern horizons 2 
and D&D Forgotten Realms. Uh, we had a fun discussion about those, and then everyone laughed at my joke about how people are paying five or, uh, $30 for five lands with some text on them, when they could have just waited for the, the D&D set to come out with art and text on lands. Uh-huh. So, uh, if you want to you listen to that, go for it. I believe in you. Some, uh, some crazy person on the internet is apparently trying to say that Oreo cookies are satanic. And, like, they have satanic symbolism on them. I mean, maybe? I need to stop looking at the internet. Yeah, they're saying, like, because the Oreo logo that's actually on the cookie, um, it has, like, a line and then two, like, parallel lines that intersect it coming out of the top. Mm-hmm. And they say that it looks like the like the symbol of Baphomet. And that, like, uh, the little shapes around that on the cookie are like a Zodiac wheel. <sighs> sure. I mean, one time I saw a potato chip that looked like Elvis, so he's alive. Ate, so, so you ate it? Uh-huh. I took the potato chip and I ate it. Um, let's talk about some news and I'll get off the internet. <laughs> oh, shit, it's mail time. You remember Tuka and Birdie? I I don't. Uh, but apparently the creators of it do and Season 2 is going to premiere in June exclusively on Adult Swim. I mean, okay. I feel like it needs, like, that Family Guy, American Dad, Cleveland Show, King of the Hill lead-in. That would help it a lot. But, I don't know. How is that show going to be profitable on a network that, like, doesn't get very many views in the first place? I don't know. It'll probably run for a season there and then get canceled by them for being too expensive. Yeah. Like, and not Rick and Morty. Exactly. There's no one going wubba lubba dub dub and no one being like Pickle Rick and no one cares. So, I mean, like, this is where people who are fans of the show can put their money where their mouth is and actually go watch the damn thing. Because they're like, oh man, I can't believe the show got canceled. How unfortunate. I am very mad. And then they took the internet, and then Adult Swim was like, okay, we'll pick it up. So, go watch it on Adult Swim if you fucking care. Because if you don't, it's going to get cancelled again, and it's going to be your fault again. <laughs> does, uh, does Adult Swim still have a deal with Hulu? I thought it was HBO Max at this point. Oh yeah, I think you're right. I don't know. I'm just wondering about like the second season of a, another Netflix show ending up on another streaming service. Eh. It's e- it's either Hulu or HBO Max. It's, I'm not sure which one though. Turner Broadcasting, Warner Media. Yeah, that's what it's affiliated with. So yeah, it'd be HBO Max. In theory, that Adult Swim reruns would go to, or whatever, whatever you want to call them. All right, uh, our next story is something Caleb doesn't care about at all. Uh, it is that Riot Games continues to branch out its popular League of Legends IP with an upcoming animated event series. I don't know what makes an event series, but it exists. Uh, 
Based on the teaser, the series appears to be focused on the rival cities of Piltover and Zaun. Whether or not the toxic game chat will also be a feature with the series hasn't been determined yet. You're right, I didn't care. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, look. It's it's League of Legends. I f- They're finally doing stuff with it outside of the singular game after 10 years. Uh, and it's still, like, one of the top games watched on Twitch. I don't know what took them so long. I don't know if they've been shopping around this long in order to, like, do stuff with the IP, but they're finally doing other stuff with it. And I'm, like, half impressed, half embarrassed to them, because, like I said, shouldn't have taken this long. Yeah, I don't know. I'll admit that, like, Minecraft is fairly neat as a game, but, like, I don't understand why, like, there's games like Minecraft and League of Legends and, like some other things that like are still wildly popular from 10 years ago when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. People weren't playing fucking, uh, pong for 10 years. I'll tell you that. Uh, I feel like War- world of Warcraft is still relatively popular. So I guess it's just games that keep iterating on themselves and just make themselves services. World of Warcraft was real popular for a really long time, but it's in the last couple years it's dropped like 80%. Oh yeah. But I mean there's still people out there that play it. Yeah, but I mean even still like if you think about it, it it lasted about 10 years and then dropped off. I uh, like I haven't seen like outside of the World of Warcraft movie, I haven't seen any other attempts to make, like, a good version of a World of Warcraft thing in terms of, like, lore. Like, it's like the, the, the magic show that's, that's coming up soon at some point at Netflix. Like, they're trying to iterate on the magic lore. And yeah. that's the thing that people allegedly. have to do. Oh, allegedly. That's the thing you have to do as a company to stay relevant is to branch your IP out into other mediums. Man, I really want that. Magic the Gathering series to come out on Netflix. Well, they announced it. I think they said 2022. Like, I yeah. feel like they were just like sat down at a table, signed the thing, and then, all right, social media man, uh, send it to the everybody. And it's like, oh, okay. And then, all right, uh, we haven't even started this yet, but everyone knows it exists. Ashley's going to be so angry when it comes out. Oh, my God. Because we're reviewing it for sure. Oh yeah, and like we'll we'll talk about you know I don't know, I think <laughs> I think the third segment review will just be like uh us reviewing magic cards or something stupid. Yeah. So just to further alienate our audience. I mean they seem fine with it, and if they aren't, uh I'm sorry. You feel that way. You shouldn't feel that I way. Know. It's it's from Avengers Endgame directors Anthony and Joe Russo. Like it, it probably will be okay. Yeah. Well, I think they're EPing it, so that mm-hmm. really means nothing. Okay. Uh, our next piece of news is that Cinemark has secured a one-week exclusive window for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. The theatrical run will begin on May 14th and run up to the movie's release on Netflix on May 21st. Caleb, you don't have a Cinemark in your area. I do. Uh, and I'm going to be touching dicks with another bald man as we watch this in theaters. Okay. Uh, that other bald man being Gerald. And don't make it weird. 
Uh, finally, Netflix has canceled The Irregulars after one season. Uh, this was the series about a group of troubled teens who helped Dr. Watson and his mysterious associates solve crimes in London. Uh, the series was released on the 26th of March and was canceled on the 4th of May. Uh, oddly enough, production of a second season had already begun, so early indications were that the show would be renewed, and there seems to be no reaction from the cast or crew on social media to the cancellation. Uh, so I don't know if they're under, like, an NDA or whatever the fuck, but... Yeah. It it is weird, like, because I was reading what's on Netflix and they keep it like they update their articles anytime like with like social media posts from like cast members and there's nothing. And even the, even Casey Moore's article says there's nothing. So it's really weird that we've heard about this cancellation and nobody's reacted. So either like the people who were in charge of the show or like who were like the stars of the show, uh, aren't popular enough for anyone to know what their Instagram accounts are or their Twitter accounts are, or something weirder? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I included the release date and the canceled on date for one purpose and one purpose only, for all of you to understand. That's about five weeks. That means no one watched this fucking show. Yeah, it's true. I honestly didn't even know that it was out yet, because it never showed up in my feed or anything well your uh your listening devices are definitely helping then because you you showed no interest in the trailer in the first place so uh good job netflix well yeah i i thought that it was kind of a stupid idea yes let's make a sherlock holmes show with with very little sherlock holmes cool thanks what if sherlock holmes was the boss of the x-men Hmm. Yeah, kinda. Hmm. Yeah, that's kinda what the show is, I guess. But, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know why you look at this show and go, oh yeah, these side characters are definitely cool. Not not the, the reason people care about Sherlock Holmes properties in the first place. And, of course, we already have, like, hashtag renew the irregulars, blah blah blah. Get over it. Your favorite show's dead, it's fine. They won't. They well, won't I know, beca- because a show is their entire personality now. Yeah. Is liking the Netflix show a personality? I, I... There's just, like, a lot of untreated... Untreated? There we go, not untreated. What, how, who's, who talks like that? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of untreated, like, mental illness out there. And people just need to get kind of get it fixed because you shouldn't care that much about a Netflix show. It It's a show. Be mad about other things that are more important. Yeah. Uh, speaking about important things, uh, we got some trailers to discuss in Downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Uh, the first of the trailers is for Halston. Uh, starring Ewan McGregor, <laughs> McGregor, uh, Ewan Are you McGregor. little baby? Are you little baby who talks like this? My name is Ewan McGregor. 
This is the untold story of a meteoric rise and fall of the first American celebrity fashion designer. Uh, Halston is a Netflix limited series from executive producer Ryan Murphy. Boy, we really sold that with all the baby talk. <laughs> his name built an empire. His style defined an era. American fashion designer Halston skywalkets to fame before his wife falls starts to spin out of control. So, so baby talk aside, what did you think? <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking like 60s high society uh studio 54 fancy people show i don't know i have no interest in this i don't give a shit about that that is correct the only nice thing about this this really it seems to be ewan mcgregor itself and then uh the production design but aside from that i don't really care yeah i don't care either uh, our second trailer this week is for The Last Widow from Your Lover. <laughs> no, not, no, not like this. <laughs> the Last Letter from Your Lover. Uh, the forbidden love affair between a 1960s couple uh, is uncovered by an ambitious present-day journalist after she finds a trove of secret love letters uh, directed by Augustine Frizzle, Adapted from Jojo Moy's sweeping romantic novel and uh, also starring Joe Alwyn and Naban Rizwan. Uh, the couple is Shailene Woodley and Callum Turner. And the journalist is Felicity Jones. I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was weird that I read the also starring part and not the actual star's names. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you think of this? I mean... How Felicity Jones has fallen from being in Rogue One, and now she's doing this shit. <laughs> like, no. Like, this is one of those movies where they play it in front of, like, an Oscar-y type movie for you to, like, for for you to even know that it exists in the first place. Like, the, like that's what the trailer feels like. It's like this powerful love story from 50 years ago that we're going to try to get you to care about. Here it is. And it's like, okay. No, but thank you. Yeah. I don't know. Let's uh let's try to get the people who had a an affair with each other to fall in love again today. Well, it seems kinda shitty. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know anything. Um I don't experience uh love and emotions. I'm a hollow void in the shape of a human yeah that's true all right uh next up is high on the hog how african-american cuisine transformed america food community culture resiliency based on jessica b harris award-winning book high on the hog traces the moving story of a people's survival and triumph via the food that has knit generations together and helped define the american kitchen from gumbo to fried chicken, our culinary journey stretches from Africa to enslavement, uh, to the Harlem Renaissance up to our present day. We celebrate the courage, artistry, and resourcefulness of the African-American people. This is not just an African-American story, it's an American story. A feast for all the senses. What did you think of this trailer, Dan? I think it looks pretty good. It looks interesting. I'm not going to say I'm going to sit here and watch it, but like the whole concept yeah, behind it's wild interesting. Yeah, about cooking shows, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it's not even just like a strictly cooking show. It also seems to be like the history of a culture 
also wrapped up in that too. So mm-hmm. like there's an additional layer, but it's still ultimately a cooking show. And I don't know, it depends. It depends on how hungry I'm feeling one day if I want to watch this or not. Yeah. I don't know. I learned something interesting from the trailer, uh, which is that uh black slaves brought okra to the United States or to North America, I guess. Right. Yeah, it was which... probably actually like pre-United States, but uh I don't know. I thought that was just really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Today I learned. Uh, Our next trailer is for Awake. Chaos ensues after a global event wipes out all electronics and takes away humankind's humankind's ability to sleep. (laughs) I'm just doing such a good job reading today. Do you remember when uh, humankind, uh, the Undertaker, threw him off Hell in a Cell? I was going to say humanity, but then I was like, oh, it says humankind. And I was like in the middle of both. And it just, it, it, no. Uh, <laughs> but Jill, played by Gina Rodriguez, an ex-soldier with a troubled past, may hold the key to a cure in the form of her own daughter. After a global event wipes out humanity's ability to sleep, a troubled ex-soldier fights to save her family and society and her mind spiral into chaos. Caleb, what did you think of this trailer for a movie? It looks interesting. Uh, I I worry because, like, this is coming out, you know, like, right quick here. Uh, but I worry that they're going to, like, kind of take some of the wind out of the sails of uh, their Sandman series that they're developing. Because this literally is, like, the inciting event for Sandman. Oh, uh, that like they capture dream, so like humanity is just unable to fall asleep for like a matter of decades. Uh, and like, like they say in this trailer, like you know, after a day or two of not sleeping, like you'll you'll start to lose your mind a bit. Um, which which isn't actually true. It takes longer than that, but like it is very bad for you. Sure. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, man, I I don't know. This does look cool. It made me also just really want Sandman. Yeah. I mean, there's at least, like, higher stakes to this. Because, like, based on what you're telling me with Sandman, it's like, human- humanity hasn't, like, slept for ten years. This seems yeah, like... Yeah, humankind. The- humankind hasn't, <laughs> hasn't slept for, like, ten years. This, it seems like it's putting, like, a shorter lifespan on that like it's basically like everyone's gonna die in a week unless they mm-hmm. all suddenly fall asleep so there's i guess there's at least that aspect to it yeah it's uh i don't know it looks to be uh, uh a tense thriller kind of maybe in the vein of bird box Ho- hopefully better than 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 bird box hopefully better yeah I know people like that movie, but it's it's just fine. And sometimes just fine isn't what we need. Alright, um, last but not least uh, is the official trailer for Dancing Queens. Meet Dylan Pedersen, a girl with big dancing aspirations. Uh, when she's talked into cleaning at a struggling drag club called Queens. I when I first tried to read this, I thought it said the club was in Queens. 
Right. I was like, oh, the, the club is just called Queens because apparently they couldn't come up with a better name for their club full of Queens. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Who am I to judge? I'm just some guy. Uh, the club star <laughs> dancer and choreographer Victor accidentally discovers her talent. She desperately wants to be part of the show, but she's a girl and it's a drag show. However, where there's a will, there's a way. Dancing Queens premieres June 3rd, only on Netflix. So we, we've gone from stuff like G.I. Jane, where a woman wants to serve in the army. And I actually don't know the whole plot of G.I. Jane, but base, uh, I'm assuming she also does like the thing like Mulan did this. And now, like, we've, we've hit those genres, <laughs> so we have to scale it down to girl wants to dance in a drag club, but can't because she's girl, so therefore must turn her into man-looking girl. It's... <laughs> My head hurts. See, I don't know, like, from... And, like, mind you, I am not part of drag culture, but I am, like wildly fascinated with it i just think that it's like the best thing but like i think that like the point of it is less that like they're men pretending to be women and more that like they're trying to portray like an overemphasized like cartoonish form of femininity femininity that's a hard word um yeah it's human kindly (laughs) yes indubitably um so like it's it's uncommon but like i from what i understand like there are female drag queens i almost well i mean if that's the case then it almost feels like this is directed and written by somebody who has no idea how the drag community works like i said it's it's uncommon and like who knows sure if it's like actually accepted by the community but like i don't know i think there's even like like straight men who are drag queens like uh somebody apparently just watched the movie ed wood today on reddit so today i learned about ed wood being a crossdresser and i know crossdressing and drag aren't the exact same things but they're you know similar vein yeah drag drag is performance art uh cross-dressing is more of a fetish i guess but i mean to me in my eyes they're not equivalent but like same ballpark sure i don't know i'm embarrassing myself here uh i don't know man no can i can i just say no and we move on and pretend (laughs) like none of this ever happened yeah i don't know Make another season of AJ and the Queen, you cowards. Oh, that's right. That did get canceled last year. That's right. Right? Was that last year or was, this just, was that this year? I think so, yeah. And I didn't go on Twitter and freak out about it. Yeah. See what an adult I am, rest of the internet. I know. Oh, I mean, you're just, you're just asking the internet to not be human garbage cans, and they just can't do that. Hey, let's take a break and... uh after we get back, we can talk about uh, a, a main review topic, uh, which is the Mitchells versus the Machines. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris 
and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. Uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week. The Mitchells versus the Machines, uh, which is a brand new an animation adventure comedy film on Netflix. Uh, it's a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. A quirky, dysfunctional family's road trip is upended when they find themselves in the middle of the robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unlikeliest last hope. Dan, what did you think of The Mitchells versus the Machines? It's a good little movie. You know, people are freaking out about being like, oh, it's the greatest thing I've ever fucking seen. "Eh, Let's calm down here, everybody. But it said, I like it. It's funny. It's relatable. I feel feel like everyone has felt this way at one point or another about their family. Uh, And then, you know, things happen. Uh, Now, has, uh, has it taken a machine apocalypse in order for them to realize such things? Probably not. But, hey, everyone has their revelations at some weird point. Uh, I agree for the most part. Like, it's, uh, it's quite good. It's competently made. It's, uh, it's charming. It's, like, genuinely funny. Um, actually, like, pretty funny. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, not the greatest thing I ever saw that I'm gonna flip the fuck out and, like, have to immediately record myself doing a review for YouTube where I give it four and a half stars and potentially up to five uh, if I watch it again. But, you know, it's uh, it's it's quite good. Mm-hmm. Still haven't watched that, so I'm sorry, Gerald. But, uh, yeah, it's eventually. I don't know. Like, the first thing I thought, like, within the first, like, five, ten minutes was that Katie is the dankest memer on planet Earth. Like, her memes are out of control good. Yeah. Uh, I really I really feel the younger brother character. Well, of course you do. Because, like, all he wants to talk about is dinosaurs to the point where, like, he's going through the phone book, just going line by line, calling people and saying, hey, would you like to talk to me about dinosaurs? No? Okay, have a nice day. And then he crosses their name out. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Whenever I was a kid, I I harshly judged people by what their favorite dinosaur was. So I'm sure you were very turned on by this movie. Just by that, being like, oh my god, my people. Yeah. I found my people, Dan. Uh, so the mother character is named Linda. And I watched this, and I'm like, yep, she's 100% a Linda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. That's the, that's the only thing I have to say about the the mom. I mean, played by Maya Rudolph, like, in reality, this is probably the most subdued Maya Rudolph has ever been in anything ever. 
And even she goes full yeah, board at one point. True. Also, Dan McBride is not an insane person when he's voicing this. He actually seems like a normal human being. So I, I don't know. I guess it's because like he can't do stupid pratfall jokes uh, in, in an animation studio. But Danny McBride was actually like reserved and fu- uh, like understated. And so that made his character more funny because he just wasn't being fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You want to just get right into the plot? Yeah. All right. So, uh, our main character, Katie, is, uh, uh, played by Abby Jacobson, Mm -hmm. uh, who also voices Dog Cop in the movie, uh, which I'm, I think is hilarious that they had to credit that on IMDb. Uh, yeah, they, they credited that in the, in the credits and I'm like, oh my God, they credited her as Dog Cop. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, well, it's like, obviously, because it's like the movie she made, like, why would, I don't know. Um, but yeah, she's, uh, she's like the weird girl who doesn't, doesn't quite fit in, and she makes, like, little movies and stuff, uh, and is just very much into that, and, uh, you know, it's always just been her dream, is to, to just be a filmmaker, uh, it's like, her her dad doesn't get the whole technology thing like his dream i guess was to to live out in the woods and just like be apart from society uh but that didn't work out for him so you know he tries to get the family to put down their phones and shit for a little bit cuz he just doesn't get it and these damn kids always looking at their screens um so Katie gets accepted into film school uh so like as a way to uh try to solidify their relationship before they lose her forever uh they cancel katie's plane ticket and decide they're gonna drive her across the country and make it a road trip to get her to college so as somebody who's tried to cancel a plane ticket before it's not how that works you you can't just cancel a plane ticket. Most of the time, they're just like, all right, you, you have airline credit now because we can't refund you your money after your 24-hour period. Now, I'm sure if you sat on the phone for uh, more than the overnight thing that he did, then yeah, you could probably get a refund. But, I mean, that was the most unrealistic part of, of the movie where we had uh, a phone take over the world. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, while they're... While they're on this road trip, uh, a phone takes over the world. Because, uh, like, the the Steve Jobs, Elon Musk type of this world, uh, like, creates this digital assistant program, uh, which is, like, widely popular. And he's like, well, you know, you all know Pal and, and love her. But uh, I'm here to tell you today that uh, it's fucking garbage now. So throw it, throw it right out the tra- in the trash. Yeah. Uh, and you know, here's here's Pal 2.0, uh, which is just a robot that uh, can teach you how to love again. I mean, I don't want like I I like the phone. I don't want a robot following me around trying to listen to my every whim with their listening devices in order for the government to spy on me more. Okay, Grandpa. 
I just don't understand the technology. How how do I turn it <laughs> off? I don't know. Uh, tech magnate guys played by Eric Andre. So I mean, whatever. Yeah, that's true. Um, also, you don't turn it off. It it turns you off. Well, uh, because I mean, the robots, uh, the phone is like, hey, that sucks that you you don't treat me like a a valued person even though I'm a thing that you created and I'm not, I'm not of God. I'm just a creation of man and you can do with me as you will. Uh, but I, I hate that. So I'm going to kill you. <laughs> right. I'm going to launch you into uh, space. So she, yeah. So she hacks the robots and, uh, makes the robots d- destroy society effectively. Yeah, and uh, society collapses almost instantaneously, except for our protagonists, the uh, vacationing Mitchells, who uh, haphazardly are able to defeat a couple of robots who then become their best friends. Yeah, I liked those characters a lot. Um, I don't know, it's kind of a kind of a trite, kind of goofy thing to have happen in your movie, but like, I don't know. It's kind of funny. They have robot sidekicks. Get it? Robot sidekicks. Funny. And then they draw faces on each other because they're real normal humans and definitely not robots. (laughs) It's true. I don't know. How how deep do you want to get in spoilers? Um, I don't know. Not really. I don't... I don't know. Because, like, it's your standard family... Animated comedy, like the only thing that isn't standard about it is like the like the whole style and presentation of it. Like because once you find out like what Katie's shtick is in terms of filmmaking, the movie kind of takes on that shtick in terms of like the way it tells jokes. Right. Um. Also, this is like from the creators of. Uh... Like Lego Movie and Into the Spider Verse, so it does the Spider Verse thing where like, um, you know they'll be doing something and like some shit will pop up on screen to make it look more like fantastic and cartoony, right? But like the the overall style outside of that is very interesting because like when they make some faces, it like they're they're like hauntingly horrifying. Some of the faces they make, like especially when they they do like the 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 face where it's like the ultra sad face, yeah, but I mean it's it's whatever, like it's the style they're going for, it's the style at the time they did a lot of things to make me laugh, uh I mean, just the whole family dynamic was kind of perfect, and then like the whole like hey, your family ain't as bad as you think it is uh, like you you've just been around them for too long. It's like, yeah, I feel that, you know, like you don't. Re- and also, you don't realize how much your parents gave up in order to uh, ha- have you have a successful life and a, a supported yeah. life. And uh, to that, I say, why did you have kids? <laughs> it's true. A-, a literal note in my notebook. Kids ruin everything. And they did. Yeah. Uh, there, there are like spoilery things I want to get to, so we'll we'll do that. Uh, is there anything else you want to say before we do that? 
Um, I want to talk about the best character because we haven't really mentioned it yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is Monchi the dog, uh, who is actually voiced by Doug the pug for some reason. I mean, why not? If you can yeah. get a real pug looking thing to voice a real pug looking thing, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a dog pig bread loaf, uh, then <laughs> you do it. I don't. <laughs> I don't know why that was necessary but yeah i guess they were originally were gonna have a professional voice actor but they were like no let's just let's get doug the pug in a sound booth and have him <laughs> grunt and snort <laughs> i mean that character was so adorably animated i didn't care it was like oh it was voice said yeah. doug the pug i mean they probably paid doug the pug less than they would have paid an actual voice actor to do it because like which pers- is discrimination well probably but like it probably would have been Alan Tudyk, and that's whatever. <laughs> it would have been Alan Tudyk. I mean, like he voiced uh, he didn't he voice the chicken in Mo- Moana? Yes, he did. So, like, yeah, it was probably gonna be him. So they they picked Doug the Pug over Alan Tudyk. So fuck you, actually. This movie gets a, a one now. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, speaking of actual ratings, what would you give it before we get into spoilers? Honestly, probably like a four. It it's it's really entertaining, and like I like I said, I just found it to be really competently made, and kind of just uh, it's refreshing to see a good movie that doesn't have like multiple glaring flaws that are like blatantly obvious, and they should have known better. So. There's one flaw, and it's only because it's so obvious, the thing that that had to happen. But otherwise, I mostly agree with you. Uh, I'm going a three and a half because it is a good movie. Uh, look, like you said, it's completely made. Uh, it's enjoyable. It's funny. But when the story has to get going, it kind of is lacking because there's only one direction it can go in and every plot beat is extremely predictable. And I'm not saying that's bad because you have a formula for kids movies, but mm-hmm. for me, like knowing exactly what they're going to do at any moment in time kind of sucks. I feel you. Yeah. So uh, with that, it's time to get into spoilers and talk about some insane things that were uh, funny. Thank Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like... no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning uh, yeah, yet. Yeah, but the ending is awesome. So if I could Son just play the bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. Uh, so first I want to talk about, uh, mom rage and how it's a legitimate superpower. Yeah. Um, so like the, the robots capture the parents. Um, since the dad is an actual insane person, they happen to have, like, they all happen to have the exact screwdriver that would, uh, let them like open the bolts on their cages that the robots put them in. Right. Um, so like. They start to escape, but, like, the robots are going after the kids. Uh, so the mom, like, uh, becomes She-Hulk and goes <laughs> Super Saiyan and uh, gets the... Oh, fuck. 
I don't remember what the drug is that Bane takes to venom. get like venom. Yeah, she injects herself with the venom serum and grows to the size of a small uh, two story home and uh, kills every robot. Including the really the really crazy like uh, super kill bots that were said to be unkillable. Yeah, which funny thing about those, those are voiced by NBA player Blake Griffin. You don't care about that, but I went, oh, really? Blake Griffin? That's a weird thing they did. A sports ball man. Yeah. Uh, My favorite line was when it's been about like it's been about 10 minutes in movie time and Linda shows back up and like the robots are like they see her and they're like, oh, my God, the lavender one. And I'm like, (laughs) they already have a fucking lore (laughs) for their fucking destroyer. That's amazing. She yeah, she already has like her own I am legend. Which that that was fit. I I laughed so hard at that. Like she's covered in like robot armor. She's she's just gone fully <laughs> insane. I loved it. Uh, but the part the part that I hated I hated most was like right before this, like right as they're getting the parents are getting captured. It's when like Olivia Coleman's phone shows like the security cam footage of her of Katie being like, "Hey, I was a piece of shit," and Katie's like, "No, Dad, I don't believe in that kind of shit anymore." And I just kind of mm-hmm. wish they would have had the balls to just have him be like, oh, okay, instead of him, you know, stopping doing the one thing he had to do in order to get them to the top. Yeah, he could have just been like, you know, doesn't matter, love you anyway. Yeah. Which, you know, was kind of the whole point of the movie. Right, and it's like, oh my god, my daughter said these horrible things, but we've been having such a bonding journey. I, I guess I forgot all of that stuff for this one thing that happened in front of me. Yeah. I don't know. It had to be done. It had to be done, and that's kind of like the sucky part. I'm like, alright, here comes the thing where it's the big twist, where it's like, he finds out about her not being on board the whole time, and he gives up. Meanwhile, it would have been better... If we had a subversion of it where he said something like that, like he pulled up something from like she was the one operating the crank thing and he said something like that and she let go. That would have been better. Just a simple Mm -hmm. change. I would have been like, okay, that makes more sense because she's a kid and doesn't have the emotional maturity to just like push it down deep where it doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah. And, you know, they could have had him say some like real cutting stuff like this kid ruined my life or I wish I never would have. Uh, had a kid. Right. You know, the things that I presume, like, a lot of parents actually think at one point or another. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah, you, you could do something, like, like similar to what she did. And it, I think it changes the whole, not the whole movie, but it changes that whole sequence to where, like, it makes more sense as to what's happening and why it happens. And, like, her fucking up gets the parents captured and then she feels guilty about that because you know she has a heart i guess i don't know like like, there are people who are better at it than i am but i i just feel like that one change makes this a better movie for me yeah sure i don't know i I don't really have anything else spoiler wise to say i just wanted to say like because the spoiler i guess technically even though we all know where this movie was going uh was that that thing uh what did you think Uh, real quick I have to know. What did you think of the whole Furby sequence? See, I kind of don't remember that because I think that like 
during about like a five or ten minute stretch in the middle of this, I um I was becoming very tired and starting to doze, and then I I like shook it off and rallied for the end. So I uh, don't really remember that part. All right. Well, I mean, they go to the mall. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a bunch of Furbies being annoying, and I will always remember this. Always. Uh, and of course, this is another story about my sister. But basically, I believe she got a Furby for Christmas, and <laughs> she was she was like pretty young because we I think it was like our first Christmas in our in our house, uh, and I was probably I was like going into middle school at the time, so my sister probably would have been about like seven or eight, and we she gets this Furby. And like it's it's like one o'clock in the morning, and the Furby starts being like hey hey, and doing his Furby thing, and she's like oh my god, <laughs> just let me sleep, and she she wanted to take the fucking batteries <laughs> out of the thing. My mom could probably tell the story better because she vividly remembers this. I only know because like apparently my sister complained to my mom at one point, but yeah, like Furby is a nightmare in my home. So seeing like all those Furbies <laughs> and. The giant Furby was like it, it just flooded back those memories of my young sister being traumatized by a fucking Furby in her closet. Yeah, I got a Furby for Christmas the year they came out. Uh, it was a pain in the ass. Yeah, that thing never shut the fuck up. <laughs> I never really figured out how to use it either. I never got it to learn any words, but like I remember, uh, when they came out, like, people didn't understand how they worked. So, like, there was a news story about them, like, people weren't allowed to bring them into the Pentagon because they <laughs> thought that it would, like, record and repeat national secrets and shit. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how a Furby works, but I'm pretty sure it can't be a, a spy device for a fucking company. <laughs> um... I don't know, for people who haven't seen the movie yet for some reason, um I guess I'll I'll just quickly spoil the best joke in the movie. Oh, go uh, for which it. is like whenever Katie's like gonna charge into the robot, like the place where they're keeping everybody and like try to shut down the phone and uh like save everybody. So like the way that she uh gets through all the hordes of robots to like um, not be captured or killed by them. Uh, she ties the dog to the hood of the car in mm. like a car seat. Uh, and then like as she's driving at them, the robots are like, "Is that a dog? Is that a pig?" And then they're like, "Dog, pig, dog, pig, dog, pig, loaf of bread." And then their heads explode. Yeah, it's uh, it's very funny. They use that joke a lot. Like it was teetering on the edge of like, "All right, come on." Like we, we we've had enough of this, but uh, I I feel like they did save it for a good part of the movie. Like they did it originally with the the other robots, and then they they brought it back for the ending. So I was okay mm -hmm. with them basically doing that joke for about five consistent minutes. Yeah, I don't know. I just like the idea that like this shitty useless dog is like uh, the ultimate weapon against evil. And then the uh, the kill bots are like, we we are able to determine the difference between a dog and a pig and a loaf of bread. <laughs> so with that and our talk of 
uh, machines and stuff out of the way. It's time to get into some serious shit as we cut into another break. And when we come back, we will do a patron requested review for Fruitvale Station. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into a patron requested review for Fruitvale Station. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. Uh, Fruitvale Station is a 2013 biography crime drama film. Uh, it is a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. The story of Oscar Grant III, a 22-year-old Bay Area resident who crosses paths with friends, enemies, family, and strangers on the last day of 2008. Uh, this is written and directed by Ryan Coogler and stars Michael B. Jordan, uh, as well as Melanie Diaz and Octavia Spencer. Uh, what did you think of Fruitvale Station? Um, I like it quite a bit. I think it's pretty great. Michael B. Jordan's really yeah, I great. I thought it was really good. Uh, Ryan Coogler shows a lot of good directing chops in this. Uh, has some bad decisions, in my opinion. But we'll get to that later. Uh, what, what did you think? Um, I had never heard of this movie before. And oh. uh, all, I, all I knew about it was uh, that I saw the name of it on the Google Doc. Uh so it's like, oh, sounds like, you know, maybe a, a cute kids movie about <laughs> a, a train station full of magical <laughs> residents and, you know, talking train cars and stuff. And uh, oh boy, was was I in for a surprise uh, because it ended up being something that made me very, very angry. Yeah, uh, because it's it's a movie about like a real life account of uh, police murdering uh, minorities so well and the most infuriating part about this is again this just happened this exact well not this exact incident but this exact scenario happened again where a police officer mistook their ta- their actual f- sidearm for a fucking taser and shot somebody to death Th- okay that's what he says that's what he says but he i'm saying fu- he fucking didn't though he knew what he was doing right that cop but, was always going to murder somebody right but I, i'm saying so uh, i forget i forget what shooting incident this was this time because there's a million of them now but the there was a, a i believe it was a female cop who says she mistook her sidearm for her taser uh and accidentally shot accidentally shot uh, another unarmed black man as they were arresting him. Yeah. So 
I, I accidentally I mean. shot him seven times in the back. Yeah, that part makes me like that part obviously is supposed to make you mad because like you look at that and you just go, this is entirely preventable by the cops. Like there's no reason for him to pull out a, a, a gun and shoot him ever. Like he was completely under control. He he like, yes, was he resisting? Yes. But was was he was it necessary for him to suddenly uh, shoot a man in the back? No. Especially one who was lying on the ground. Yeah. With, like, and also, like, having his head stood on, basically, uh, and they were saying turn over while, like, they were standing on his head, and, like, if he did, he would, like, snap his neck. Right. So, like, (sighs) that whole arrest just pissed me off. Because it was, like, a little bit of George Floyd, a little bit of... The other incident that I can't remember right now, and I I apologize. It's not me trying to not be woke. It's just like it's I, just that there's so many. There's so many. It's hard to remember. I don't know, man. And I like I was worried that because like a lot of the movie is about him, it trying to like get his life together and like do a better job taking care of his partner and his daughter mm-hmm. and like, um give up like his criminal past and like I was worried that the movie was gonna go the route of like people saying like oh he was he shouldn't have been uh resisting and it's okay that we killed him because he's a criminal uh which is what they did with George Floyd but like no like right well you know you, you still shouldn't fucking murder whether somebody is a criminal or not you know and i mean this is also an incident i really wasn't familiar with mainly because like there's been a ton of other police shootings of unarmed black men but also because like it was in 2009 and i was worried about college and not this kind of thing so like this brings it to my eyes and now i'm even more mad that you know we still get the same excuses from cops and they like they're they're allowed to make mistakes and be fallible but if a a person in custody makes a mistake they get shot to death i don't know the most surprising part of this movie to me is like while he was still like like immediately after he was killed they were like yep we're this was this is a homicide yeah, uh, and we're arresting the cop that shot him like like immediately after. Uh, but then, of course, like they do the the text crawl at the end and like kind of tell you really quickly, like the aftermath. Um, the the cop ended up getting uh, convicted of involuntary manslaughter after he intentionally shot a guy in the back. Yep. Um and was sentenced to two years and served 11 months. That's the word. Because I remember when the doctor said the words homicide, I went, oh, my God. Maybe this is why I don't remember anything, because, like, they immediately arrested the officer and he actually did, like, real serious time. And then yeah. it gets to the crawl and you're like, oh, fuck this system. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's a good thing the cop didn't have an ounce of weed on him. He could have done like five years. Yeah, right. Um, so to get not, I I feel like we're gonna talk about the the end of the movie forever. I want to bring this up really quickly. Michael B. Jordan recently was on, or like he had a movie recently come out called Without Remorse on Amazon Prime, and I saw a comparison to him. Uh, like it's like Michael B. Jordan is the Black Keanu Reeves, and I just went, "Well, that's an insult to Michael B. Jordan." Like I love Keanu Reeves, but that guy has like barely any acting talent whatsoever. Michael B. Yeah. Jordan can fucking act. So calling him yeah. the Black Keanu Reeves is just such fuck? an insult. Now Michael B. Jordan's a fantastic actor. Yeah, I, I mean, just because he does, you know, not great movies doesn't mean he's not a great actor. Comparing him to like Keanu Reeves is ridiculous to me. Sorry, I just, I just wanted to bring that up. I, I, it was either Colby Mack who said it, or Colby Mack retweeted somebody who said it. And whoever that person is who said it, you're wrong. <laughs> I very rarely make declarative statements regarding movie criticism, but you're wrong for comparing those two actors. They are nothing alike. <laughs> uh, well, you clearly feel very strongly about this. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about? I guess the other thing is uh, Octavia Spencer. Like She's very good in this movie. And she was also She's in Thunder. Good in like everything. Wow. Well, yeah. And then there's Thunder Force. And then there's Thunder Force. Uh, yeah. So like seeing this movie, like I haven't seen Thunder Force, but I've seen the trailer, so I've seen Thunder Force. Like her being in that movie versus her being in this movie. This movie is more of what I expect her entire pedigree to be. I'm. I mean, I'm not gonna begrudge her doing something that's like just a fun throwaway project. You sure. Know? Sure, but it, it like, and that's like the first fun, like I guess maybe Ma from like a couple years ago, a horror movie where she's uh she's somebody who lets people party at her house in exchange for something. I don't know. I never saw it, but like, hmm. people like there was early buzz around that being like uh an Oscar worthy performance for her before anybody had seen a single frame of the movie outside of a trailer. Uh, that didn't. That that wasn't the case. It wasn't. It was like apparently a bad movie. But like when she does stuff like that, at least like she's still doing something different. In Thunder Force, it just feels like something we've seen before. That I mean, like yeah, I'm not gonna begrudge her for being like, hey, I'm doing this fun, stupid thing with somebody I'm seemingly friends with. But like, if it becomes a habit, then there's a problem. And by a problem, I mean like I just want to see her in good stuff. Yeah. <sighs> this movie made me very sad and very angry. Yeah. Uh, um, also, because, like, uh, a speeding car runs over a pit bull. Yeah! Which made me very sad and very angry. Yeah, uh, Ashley Lily came home right as that scene ended, and I went, man, you have fucking perfect timing. Because <laughs> she would have been upset. Also, she refused to watch this movie with me because she knew what it was about, and she was just like, I don't need to be sad. All right. Uh, what would you rate it? Four. This is a great movie. Good job, Paul. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I'm going to also say four. So, uh, yeah. Watch Fruitvale Station if you're in the right mindset, because like, I feel like 
if you're if you're not up for being pissed off or sad or anything because like that scene at the in the hospital with them just like sitting in a room for hours being like well we don't know what to do we're just gonna sit here and support him and octavia spencer's character is simply just like hey let's pray and i'm like look uh i get that this is what you feel like you can do but that ain't gonna do anything but then she thanked the correct that she was like god work through these doctors i'm like good you did it right you attributed the doctors first and not fucking saying oh god made a miracle and shit look i i get upset about that kind of stuff doctors train their whole lives in order to be able to save people's lives and i don't want to i don't want to minimize that by saying oh god had a miracle bitch yeah god god had nothing to do with them spending fucking residency somewhere sorry that's that's my high horse about now he's coming at god yeah i you know i just no one's safe i just want you all to know that all right. Um, well, next week we're going to be uh, watching Castlevania Season 4 uh, and also uh, double feature, two featured, two review. Uh, we're doing Jupiter's Legacy as well. Yeah, because uh, you started watching that because Vanessa started watching that. And I feel like that's just how things happen sometimes. Yeah, and it's, you know, the number one thing on Netflix right now. And like... You know, I don't I don't think either of us were super jazzed on it, but then like she started watching it and uh you know, I was I was watching it with her and I was like, oh, oh, oh. this seems quite good. So hopefully it's actually quite good and I'm not wasting both our time. Yeah, because you uh you sent me a gif because you were like, hey, let's watch this. And I went, okay, sure. And then you sent me the gif of Bob from season two of Stranger Things being like, I hope it doesn't <laughs> suck. Yeah, because now I've committed us to, you know, it was like six, seven hours of a thing. So, yeah. So, yeah, uh, there, there's that. Uh I guess I'll tell them stuff before you do the other stuff. Uh, you can find our podcast at NetflixAndSwill.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill. Also, anything Rabbit Ears, Stacking Triggers, and uh, potential other podcasts that we kind of talked about last week, but who knows what's going to happen because uh, I have heard nothing else on that front. I don't know. If you like our show, head over to Patreon.com slash NetflixAndSwill or hit the Patreon link on our website. That'll take you there. And also, if uh, for some reason you haven't yet, uh, review us on Apple Podcasts, because we would like some more reviews, please. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of her theme song, Bitter, which is um, a good song about a bad time feeling. Yes. Or the the least fun of the five taste sensations? I don't know. Because what do we got? We got Sweet Savory... Bitter, sour, uh, sweet, savory, salty, bitter, and umami. Umami's made up bullshit by hipsters so they can sound cool. <laughs> Don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday.
Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.